0: Please stand as you are able for the reading of today's Old Testament lesson from the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, verses 4 through 11. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant, you lazy bones. Consider its ways and be wise. Without having any chief or officer or ruler, it prepares its food in summer and gathers its sustenance in harvest. How long will you live there lie there, O oh lazy bones? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed warrior. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Randy, for reading our lesson. And it is, it's so good to be together and worship today. Uh, it is a little difficult to believe, isn't it? That today is the last Sunday in the month of August. Uh, it's unbelievable. Next weekend, Labor Day weekend, we will worship together on September the 1st. Uh, And what a thrill this morning to see this altar lined with pre-Ks and their parents. Isn't that wonderful to see that and to be able to share with them on behalf of Christ and the church this Bible, for many of them their first... Bible and just a thrill to see that and to share in that today. Uh, Also, uh, another reason today is very special. Uh, He's not here. He was here at 815, but our own Bishop Pennell uh, had a big birthday today, has a big birthday. He is 80 years old as of today, uh, which is the new 70, he tells me. Uh, He he is still working, by the way, still teaching at Vanderbilt University in the seminary, 80 years old and going strong. And and working on catching up, trying to catch up with Bishop Spain, I guess. He's got a ways to go. Uh, Spain will hit 94 uh, in October. But how blessed we are as a church to have men of wisdom like, like those two with us. And what a joy it is to celebrate the initiation of Holt Worth McKelvin here at the altar. What a special day. Uh, just a wonderful day to be in God's house. If you've been with us since the second Sunday in August, you know that we're in the middle now of a study on Proverbs that we're calling Wise Up. What we've all agreed on is that we're living in the age of information contextually, but what's interesting is in this age, though we have this surplus of of data, we have all this information at our fingertips, there also seems to be a dearth of wisdom. And so we're thinking together during these back to school Sundays about these nutshells of knowledge in the book of Proverbs, or what I sometimes refer to as theological fossils that bring to light universal truth, even in the 21st century. If you weren't with us, let me catch you up. We started two weeks ago with the theme verse from Proverbs, which is chapter 1, verse 7 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we talked about the word fear means reverence, so the origin of wisdom begins with simply reverence for God. That's why we're here today. I think you can say the antithesis of that as well, that, that foolishness begins with irreverence. That is, when I become irreverent towards God, I begin to neglect God's creation. And then I begin to ridicule those made in the image of God. It's all traceable back to reverence. And last week, we talked about chapter 3, verse 5, which I think is the most off-quoted proverb in the whole anthology, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. We talked about Bill Withers' great song, Lean on Me, and that the word trust in Hebrew means to put your whole weight on someone or something and not to simply bank on your own opinion, that we need the perspective of others and not simply our own insight. And that brings us now to Proverbs chapter 6, where if you read the entire chapter as a whole, it is a word of warning. It is what I would call a word to the wise about potential potholes and pitfalls that would cause us to drift off the path. And there are three fault lines that are mentioned. One, foolish financial decisions. Two, laziness. Three, lust or objectifying the other person. I'm going to talk about one and three a little later in the series, but today I want us to look at the middle section, the middle issue. By now in this study, you may have noticed that in Proverbs, all of life is spiritual. Now, that's not the way that we look at it in our culture. We tend to compartmentalize our lives. So what we do is we, we have our business here, and then we have our religion there. We, we, we have the secular. and and the sacred, and we separate those. That is not true within the Hebrew mindset. It's all spiritual. All of life is sacred. Not just the extraordinary parts of your life, but the ordinary, the the mundane, the simple parts of life, like, like the way you work is a witness to God. It's a mark of character. The way you play, the way you shop, the way you drive. Hello is a witness to something, the way you talk, the way I treat my neighbor, the way I love my spouse, the way I treat my enemy, my opponent, the way I raise my children, the way we manage our money, the, the way we share our money, the way we use our time. It's all spiritual. There's no division of of sacred from secular. It's all spiritual. Proverbs 6 begins to address the work ethic, how we work. I'm reminded of Robert Frost who once said, the world is full of willing people, some willing to work, the rest willing to let them. This is about work ethic. And wouldn't you agree that how you work, the way that you work, not just what you do, but the way you do it is actually a mark of wisdom and character. And so Solomon, who authorized these proverbs, is speaking now to the moral benefit of work and its inherent ability to strengthen our character. Is it just me or does this seem inappropriate topic for today, just a week out from Labor Day. And by the way, isn't it interesting that we celebrate Labor Day by not laboring? And by the way, I'm not complaining. I don't intend to lift a finger on next Monday, but God is blessing labor. My best friend in the ministry, whose name is, is D, retired two years ago, much too early, I think, at 61. I haven't forgiven him for it. And I called him recently and I said, "Uh, brother, what's on your agenda today? And he said, nothing. I said, I thought you did that yesterday. He said, I didn't finish. (laughs) And I reminded him what I've reminded many people here that according to the scripture, I I have not yet found the retirement plan for discipleship. I mean, you think about it, Abraham was 75 when he took off, Moses was 80. Now, there is no retirement plan from discipleship. Well, there, there may be, but it involves a eulogy. But beyond that, there is no retirement from the work of the kingdom. Now, I've had friends who, who retired, and, and everybody found out about it and asked them to do something, and they got so busy that some of them had to go back to work in order to get a vacation. But God blesses work. In fact, work... Is God's idea. That's interesting, isn't it? Now, some folks think that, that work is something to endure, that it's a curse, that nobody really wants to work, but according to the scripture in the book of beginnings, Genesis, it's a gift. And it's a part of the created order. Genesis 2 15 says that after God created man and woman, he put them in a garden. What for? To work to till and to keep it, so it's God's idea. And if that be true, and it is, then as sons and daughters of God who are made in the image of God, we as offspring of God, we too have the capacity to be productive. We have the ability, the DNA to be innovative and industrious, and it's it's a blessing to be able to work. It was only after the fall, remember, that this gift became burdensome and frustrating. But the fact remains that the capacity to work is the gift of God. Now there are three wisdom poems in Proverbs that mention Uh, the importance of work, and it's always in these nutshells of knowledge, there's also the antithesis as well, right? So work is a blessing, but the antithesis that's pointed to is the lazy bones. The closer to the Hebrew is is sluggard, or what we might call a slacker. It's in chapter 6, it's in chapter 24, it's in chapter 26. And so whenever you see repetition, teachers know that repetition is the key to learning, that when you see an author repeating a theme over and over again, it must be important. And this is very important. Hard work is a mark of wisdom, and the opposite of that, sloth, is a form of foolishness. In fact, you remember, some of you who grew up Catholic remember that it was Pope Gregory the Great in the 6th century A.D. who coined the phrase seven deadly sins. You remember what they are? Pride, envy, gluttony, lust, anger, greed, and sloth. Onomatopoeia, sloth. It's a word that sounds like its meaning, like sizzle and thump and drop, sloth. Sloth is a lack of effort in the face of a necessary task. I have a picture of sloth I've been saving for you. That's what I call sloth. Apparently, whoever was lining the road just didn't think it necessary to clean the debris, so just painted around it sloth. Does the name Ronald Acuna ring a bell with anybody? You know who that is? Ronald Acuna, all-star outfielder for the Atlanta Braves. I grew up a Braves fan. I used to listen on a transistor radio in the, in the nighttime as a little boy to Milo Hamilton calling balls and strikes. And boy, he could paint a picture with his narrative and, Ronald Cunha, 21 years of age, is having an MVP season. He reminds me of Henry Aaron, right? He's like a young Henry Aaron. He's in the 30-30 club. He has, he's already hit 30 home runs this year, and he's stolen 30 bases. So this young man is fun to watch, just powerful, speedy, fast. He made a mistake last Sunday afternoon. They're playing the Dodgers, Acuna hits a ball that appears to be going over the fence. It's going to be a home run, and instead of running to first base, he just stood there and admired the ball, right? This is very unusual for him. He's a great player. The ball didn't go out of the park. The ball hit the top of the wall, bounced back. The fielder cleanly fielded it, and what should have been an easy double became a noisy single for Acuna, In the next inning, guess who didn't go back on the field? Ronald Acuna. The manager did it right. He didn't do it in front of the camera, but he took him back into the tunnel, and he said these words to him, Ronald, there are 24 other men on this team who are dependent on you to do your job. The way you do it affects the entire organization. And he benched him. He might have lost the game, but he won the team because Brian Snetka is a manager who can tolerate failure, but he can't stand a lack of effort. And so it is with Solomon. I've thought about it before that sometimes, sometimes it might be appropriate to say to someone. There are 8,499 other people called Brentwood United Methodist Church who are dependent on the way that you live your faith. It's important. Now, to help us get this point, I love this. What what does Solomon do? He points to nature, right? Richard Foster, the great Quaker theologian, said, there are two books by which God reveals God's self. One is the book of Scripture… One is the book of nature. Nature has a lot to teach us. And so Solomon says, chapter 6, verse 6, take a page from the ants. Somebody asked me this morning, where'd you get the title for your sermon? I said, obviously, you haven't been reading with us in Proverbs. Take a page from the ants, you slacker. (laughs) Lazy bones, consider her ways, which are very wise. Listen to this without having any CEO, without having any district superintendent, without having a bishop, a supervisor, a ruler, without being a part of the Solomonic bureaucracy, the ant prepares its food in summer and gathers in time for harvest. In other words, she's a self-starter. He lacks no initiative. He's self-reliant. And I know what you're thinking. You say, last week, Pastor, you said self-reliance is a part of the problem. And it can be if you're only leaning on yourself. But when you lean on God, when you become God-dependent, you actually become less dependent on others and very interdependent with community. And God enables you to do something that I think is very important To carry your own weight. That's important. Now, I've been thinking about our time together this morning, and so I'll tell you what I did. In preparation for today, I went to ant school. I found a little colony in our backyard, and I took my pencil and paper, and I went to school. I'm just trying to be biblical, look at the ant. Did you know that ants are as old as dinosaurs? 130 million years they've been around. I did not know that. Did you know that there are 10,000 species of ants? I am intimately familiar with one of those called the fire ants. My sister's here and remembers the day. I learned that ants actually teach their young to work. So, it's not all coded in the DNA. They teach their young to work. And I also learned that ants dispose of their dead. There are actually ant undertakers in the colony. I got so excited about that that I called Carol Austin. She didn't believe it. They're farmers. They know agriculture. They have two stomachs. One, to contain food for their own consumption, and one, this is very nice, to share with a buddy, ant. There are no slackers in the colony. They're diligent, and I just hope you're impressed. It is amazing what you can learn from a bug's life. It's amazing. You ever heard of the Protestant work ethic? I grew up hearing that phrase. It was coined by Max Weber, Who was a German sociologist and economist who traced the idea, the concept of the Protestant work ethic all the way back to the Reformation, 16th century, to Martin Luther. Martin Luther redefined worldly work as one's Christian duty, not just being a clergy but being a banker, being a teacher, being a lawyer, being an administrator. It's this worldly work is also our Christian duty that benefits both the individual and the whole society. There was one day a cobbler, a shoemaker, who wasn't sure this was true, and he came up to Luther and said, "Uh, how do I make shoes for the glory of God? And Luther said, and I quote, first of all, he said, make a really good shoe and then sell it for a fair price. That's it. (laughs) I never knew that making a shoe could be a testimony to one's faith. But Solomon says it can. I'll tell you somebody else who said it can. Dr. Martin Luther King once said that. He said, whatever you're doing, consider it something having cosmic significance as it is a part of the uplifting of humanity. No matter what it is, no matter how small or unimportant you might think it is, do it and do it well and do it right. If it falls your lot, he said, to be a street sweeper, then go out and sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures. Sweep streets like Handel and and Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets like Shakespeare wrote poetry. Sweep streets so well that one day the host of heaven and earth will pause at your doorstep to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job really well. It's all spiritual. Even our work is a testimony to God's grace. The Apostle Paul said it like this, whatever you do, this is Colossians 3, 23, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human employers. Just look at the ant. Now, as important as this lesson is, when I read these words and when I hear it in our context in Williamson County, in Brentwood, Tennessee, honestly... I think sometimes we have the opposite problem. I don't know about you, but I'm just saying for me, I don't know too many slackers in this group today. There are two or three of you. (laughs) Uh, I don't know too many sluggards in in this neck of the woods, at at least not when it comes to work. There are a lot of overachievers here. There are a lot of people who are just overloaded. You go to work tomorrow, you're already overextended. You're, you're overcommitted, and you're overstressed. Even our children, talk to Adam about this, even our children, our teenagers. And so I come to the point sometimes where I'm not just concerned about idle hands. I'm worried about burned-out souls. And sometimes, frankly, it's not diligence in your work you need. It's Rest. It's Sabbath. And I'll tell you, it takes wisdom to know which is needed when. It's not just output that we need. It's input. We live in a culture of accomplishment, and it's a wonderful gift. We live in a society of affluence, of production, of success. And the truth is, sometimes you need less on your plate not more, so that we can become diligent about essentials, not accessories. I I think of the Mary Martha story. I love that story. Martha, you remember, one of the sisters, they were related to Lazarus, Jesus raised from the dead. Martha worked her fingers to the bone. She was a planner. Oh, she was type A. In fact, she knew Jesus was coming early on, and she'd been working on the menu for weeks, and she wanted everything to be right, and she was the only one in her mind, in her family, who knew what right looked like. In fact, Martha lived by the proverb, if you want something done right, you've got to do it yourself. That's not in the Bible. That's Second Martha chapter 3. She was the responsible one, and she let everybody know it. And she rolled out the red carpet. She got out the fine china. She put on the dog. And she did it all by her lonesome, all by herself, with almost no assistance from her sister Mary. I think at one point in the story that Martha was kind of enjoying her own victimhood a little too much when she complained to Jesus. Teacher, she said, obviously you don't care about me. Obviously, you don't care that my sister has left me to do all the work by herself, by myself. Please tell her to help me. Now, I've prayed like that a lot. Jesus, here's what you need to do, and if you'll do it, it'll take care of that. And you just kind of tell Jesus what to do. In the name of Jesus, amen. And that's what Martha did. And Jesus, and he wasn't mad at her. He answers her with this gentle rebuke, "Martha, Martha, Martha. I've heard that at home sometimes from my, Davis, Davis, Davis. I say it about Andrew, 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 Andrew. Haley, 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 Haley. Martha, Martha, you are, you are in a frenzy. <laughs> you are distracted by many things. Only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the better portion." And it will not be taken from her. What's the one thing? What's the better portion sitting at the feet of Jesus? That was Mary's food. (laughs) That was her bread. That was her substance sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Mary ate every crumb. She was diligent about that. Now, I'm going to confess to you, sometimes in the whirlwind of all that's going on, in the motion of everything that's happening, I can become more of a distraction from Jesus than an attraction to Jesus. And I have learned that even in the church, activity is not the same thing as vitality. When Jesus is in the house, you don't need to fuss about the menu because he's the main course. By the way, did you notice that this story, Mary Martha, comes right after the Good Samaritan story? And in that one, the theme is, don't just sit there, do something. But the theme in the Mary Martha story is, don't just do something, sit there. Be still. And wisdom knows the difference which is needed when. There is a time to carry your own weight. And there is a time to lean all your weight on the only one who can hold you. Saint Teresa of Avila once prayed a prayer, Solo Dios Basta, means God alone, God alone is enough. It's a poem prayer and it says this, let nothing distract you, let nothing frighten you, those who cling to God will lack nothing. Let nothing distract you, nothing frighten you, God is enough. And that's the input that makes possible the output. That's the wisdom that makes possible the witness. That's the discernment that makes possible the diligence. Go to the aunt, but don't forget Aunt Mary. (laughs) May it be so with you so that we may wise up In a world that is dumbing down, in Jesus' name.